uh, I would say 30% of your time should be put on applying for advertised jobs. Okay. But then 60 or 80% is about reaching out yourself to people, companies, organizations that you are interested in. Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Swedish Podcast, hosted by Jill Leckie and Kat Trigarski in conversations about the paradox of life between two cultures. Hello and welcome back to The Swedish Podcast. I'm going to let you pause this podcast and I'm going to get you to run and grab a pen and a paper because you might be one of the 21.2% foreign-born individuals living in Sweden that is currently looking for a job. That's 245,000 foreign-born people who are job hunting right now. So we spoke to a lady called Marianne who runs an organisation called Incluso and they specialise in helping foreign-born individuals find jobs. So this episode is absolutely jam-packed full of hints and tips and tricks on how to make yourself a little bit more attractive on the Swedish labour market. But it also comes with some pretty pretty full-on hard truths about what the reality of job hunting in Sweden is actually like. So be prepared. So just to get started, Marianne, um, thank you for coming on and talking to us, by the way. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I am uh, the co-founder of Incluso, which is a recruitment and consultant company. And we started six years ago, uh, myself and three other colleagues of mine. So we all run the company together. And uh, shortly about myself, I have quite an international background. I'm half French, half Swedish. I lived in Sweden, France, Canada, and the United States. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a few. <laughs> yeah. So um, I come from Gothenburg otherwise, and my mom's from Paris. So I grew up in both those cities. And I studied at the School of Economics in Gothenburg, where I studied international marketing mm-hmm. many years ago. Now, Kat, you and um, Marianne's relationship go a little bit further back. You actually introduced me to Marianne. Uh, I just uh, got a call from Marianne one day about a job. <laughs> ah. So uh, I I knew Marianne in a business sense through applying for a job with, uh, mm. well, yeah, with Incluso. And then uh, after that, Marianne and I kept in touch. And then I actually used Incluso's career services to improve my resume, to discuss what career options I had at the point when I wanted to make a change. Mm. And uh, so Marianne and I sat down one afternoon and and went through different options for me. And she came up with a a fantastic plan. But uh, (laughs) I think at one point uh, you said to me, Marianne, oh, are you applying for a lot of jobs? And I said, oh, yes, it's at least, I mean, I think probably one every few weeks. (laughs) And she just laughed and said, that's not a lot (laughs) (laughs) at all. (laughs) And I think it's really important to point out that Incluso is not just... It's not just about recruitment, it's actually about coaching. Yeah, we, we do that as well. I would say we have three sort of pillars that we that we work with. So it's uh, recruitment services and then consultant services for employers. Mm-hmm. And then we also do coaching services, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, not maybe as much as we did a few years ago when we started, but we coach individuals on a you know, private basis, people reach out to us and they need help a few hours. Mm-hmm. Or it could be um, communer, like for instance, Nacka Commune. They they send uh, clients to us who need coaching. Okay. And also before we were a big part of um, helping out with a project called Korta Vägen, which is helping newly arrived persons in Sweden who have academic backgrounds to, to enter the Swedish job market through coaching or helping them finding internships. Now, a lot of our listeners have a, an international background. They are international people who've moved to Sweden for various reasons, because of love, like me and Kat, or because of a spouse who's got a job here or so on and so forth. Um, And over the years that I've been working in this 
field of um, sort of internationals arriving in Sweden. The most common disappointment, I think I would say, amongst international people is expectation versus reality of how how tough actually it is to get onto the job market in Sweden. The reality of it is that it's tough to get onto any job market. It's not just a thing, it's not just a Swedish thing. But I think there is something kind of going on with this expectation versus reality balance where mm. for some reason people are being led to believe that when they come to Sweden it's going to be really easy for them to get into the job market you know because a because they speak English or because they have kind of so much international experience or something or I you mm. know so and I and it really disrupts people's self-confidence when they get here mm. and they suddenly go oh, I have to start all over again what you know when you're working with international people how do you approach that well it's important of course, to understand where a person is in his or her life and career. So what kind of jobs have has he or she done before? What was it? Was it managerial positions with a lot of responsibility or many people with direct reports? Or is it a very young person who maybe have only worked two or three years? I mean, so first of all, it depends where is this person career-wise, you know, you know, how old is the person, how old, how many years has he or she worked, etc. And when you have that picture clear, then it's important to see, okay, with this experience that this person has, is there any lack that needs to be filled in order to be placeable someone or matched somewhere in, in the right organization or is the path very easy and very clear? It, that depends, of course, what someone has done before and in one sector and then what language skills that person have, uh, for instance. Then it's also when you meet someone who who is new here, how long has he or she tried? And Because that will, of course, affect, as you say, you know, demotivation and, you know, how positive or negative the person is mm. at, at the moment towards this job searching situation. On average, how long does it take somebody to find a job? Well, I don't know if you can answer that because that depends. Does the person either speak English or or, or Swedish? Uh, is, is Swedish necessary in his or her profession? Mm-hmm. And what kind of um, actions has this person taken once here? So. Mm-hmm. It, it depends, I would say. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there is some studies that say it takes eight years, but that's not at all applicable, I think, on a general level. That, that, that depends. But it can take a few years, yes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe at least a few years to really get where you, you really want to be. And what kind of jobs are you willing or can you possibly consider that they are not exactly your dream yeah. job either? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we made the decision that we were going to move to Sweden about nine years ago, um, <laughs> I remember being told by my Swedish family, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine, you're going to get a job in no time, it, you know, mm-hmm. you, you speak English, it'll be all right. That was my belief system when I arrived here, that I was going to get a job, it was going to be no problem, there would literally be a job waiting for me mm, yeah. <laughs> when I arrived in Sweden. And oh boy, I was wrong, <laughs> I was so wrong. Because my Swedish was not at a level that my particular skill set required, which was communications, you know, event management, um, general management, there was no way that I was going to get a job here Mm. that easily because all of the jobs that were, you know, available had a certain language requirement that I just couldn't fulfill. Mm. Mm. So um, I think I would have benefited from somebody like you, Marianne. Do you come across people, do you come across a lot of situations like that? Yeah, that happens. Of course that happens a lot. It depends maybe also a little bit under what circumstances you come to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Do you come here because maybe you have a spouse who got the job, that's why you moved here and you have children. And it's also, a, a, it takes time to establish here, not only for yourself, but for the whole family. Where, where to live, what schools, you know, mm-hmm. activities mm-hmm. with it. So maybe there's also in the beginning a lot of focus on the kids and the family. And then once that is settled, you can start thinking about yourself and your own career and, and so on. And maybe the and then some time has already passed since you got here in the first place. So uh, and then there might be other um, persons that are new in Sweden who know, but they're here because they may, well, maybe they have a 
they could have a refugee background, but not necessarily. It could also be like they have a partner who already who is Swedish and who already lives here. I mean, that's the most of the cases, like you say, you know, love immigrants or, you know, but it could also be because there's a Swede here and then someone moves here to be with that person. Yeah. So there's different scenarios and backgrounds to and and which will in all those different situations will um, present different types of challenges. Mm-hmm. Should we get onto the questions that people have sent us? Mm-hmm. We asked our Instagram uh, followers to send us their questions about that they had about the, a, the Swedish job market, but also finding a job in Sweden and. Uh, we got quite a few. So Kat, crack on. I have one question here, which is, uh, how would you explain any gaps that you have in your resume? For example, uh, the person here has said that they have a three-year gap uh, in their time in Sweden from not being able to find a job. Mm. Well, I think uh, the important thing with the CV is basically to present what you have done on your li- in your life in a chronologically order and uh, and you and you divide it into education and experience and other skills language skills etc so in this case so you would put um, in your section uh, you have your experience and you put your the last job you had and maybe you have education on top of that you have a gap of three years so what have you done in those three years a have you taken a swedish course uh, I would hope that in three years, someone at least has taken Swedish courses since they got here. So it's really good to be very clear about that in your CV under education section or like a course that you have taken. So, you know, where and how long and at what level did you study Swedish? That's one thing you can put. Maybe you have done some volunteer work or have you studied an online course in something else? So all those things matter and, and, and it should be stated early on in your CV. But then it's also okay to say, you know, uh, having been uh, on a parental leave, you can put, you know, uh, you can also maybe you can write, um, you know, establishing the life for me and my family here in Sweden. A few words about that. I mean, that shows what you have done. A lot of these things, would you recommend that they go into the cover letter? to as an explainer and then keep the cv quite the the resume quite brief and yes quite quite brief but you can still mention parental leave with date starting ending and then of course in the in the cover letter yes in the opening you can say i'm I'm new in sweden and we have lived here now with my family for two years um and uh, now i'm ready to to really find you know the next step for me career-wise and I saw this job opening and here I am yeah right <laughs> how can you use your immigrant experience as an advantage in a job application uh you mean the fact that you have actually moved to Sweden and you're new here and, or you yeah. have moved several places so for, like yourself you know you've lived in several international um like an expat countries. background yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that I think in the cover letter section or in the interview situation, it's 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 um, it's an experience that that is worth uh, you know mentioning, and it you have an international background and uh, open to new situations that you can adapt easily when things change. That you're used to interacting maybe with people from different backgrounds, uh, parts of the world cultures etc so yes that's that's an asset i would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. And, and language skills as well yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. the next question is should you ask a recruiter about uh, salary when applying for a job and about how the recruitment process will will go with that company or should you leave that to when you actually have contact with the company i think no matter if it's a recruitment company or if you are in touch with a hiring company directly first of all what's your own situation a, do you have a job at the moment? Well, then if you have a job at the moment, you also have a salary at the moment. So what is that salary? And what, so since you have a job and you have a salary, you can wait with that question a little bit until further in the process. That's up to the recruiter to be smart and ask early in the process. But um, if the recruiter doesn't ask, you can wait a little bit. And once they know more about you and they have had maybe a few interviews and they are really maybe hooked on you or they want to offer you the job, then you it's smart to start talking about 
the salary and, and so on. But as many of the listeners today might not have a job when they're looking for a job, so they have no salary today, which means it's not the best, um, what do you say, position or to, to negotiate, right? Because the recruiter knows you, you don't have a job at the yeah. moment. Um, but having said that, it's never... It, it's always okay if you if you feel uncertain in the beginning of the process exactly what is this job really entail i mean wh- what what kind of tasks are you know included in this job description then you can ask them well, well approximately what is the budgeted salary for this position just to get an idea if it's at all in line what you would expect or because if it's really low like outrageously low then maybe this is just not something for you or you know mm-hmm. otherwise hopefully it's going to be a reasonable level and at the market level and then at least you can know but the general rule i would say wait with that until late in the process okay try to not be the first to bring the issue up is, is there anywhere in in sweden a sort of central place where you could get some kind of salary indications for different jobs or is yes. that much more of a sort of hidden hidden thing well if you're part of the union which i really recommend everybody who is new in sweden to be part of a union and the unions in sweden there are plenty of different organizations you can join depending on your profession and if you're a finance profile or engineer or teacher or what have you but if, and you can join them even if you don't have a job yet to a, not a very high fee. And once you are part of their system, then you can access their statistics and you can call them and ask them, I'm applying for this job. What approximately should I expect considering my age, my level of education and experience? And so that's a very good reason, I think, to one of the reasons to join a union early when you arrive here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this it's not really so much of a question more of a statement from somebody mm-hmm. 16 years of experience still need to start from the beginning question mark so I've heard this before again from a lot of people about they come here and they may have many years of experience in their field um, and then they arrive in Sweden and discover that their previous experience that they've had in either their home country or another country or whatever doesn't seem to make up for much when it comes to getting a job at a particular salary or a particular level or a particular point within you know on the career ladder that they would expect them you know very often what they need to do is they actually need to lower their expectations and maybe start from the beginning and work Mm. their way back up again and of course that can be incredibly frustrating because you know you have an expectation that's not being met um is that the case all in general or do you think it's more specifically case by case when it comes to you know the particular job that you want to do or the career that you have i think it dep- of course it's going to depend on the on the um, on the industry and type of role etc but i think uh, gen- if you want to generalize i think maybe 60 if you say let's say you have 16 years of experience and you're new here well maybe you don't have to start over all the way to the first year but maybe you have to start over like halfway mm. Like, you know, you have, maybe you have to go back a little bit, at least to like where you were mm-hmm. eight, yeah. nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but why? Well, that depends what kind of role you're applying for, etc. But maybe Swede, well, first, of course, is Swedish necessary in the role or not? If it's mm-hmm. necessary and to what extent is it necessary? Mm-hmm. And why is it necessary? That's going to depend on the company and the role mm-hmm. again. But... But it's also about understanding uh, the, the, the market, the, the country, if are there any like, you know, to the network you have, uh, the experience you have, the cultural experience, all those things, of course, it depends on the role. But if a, a company is looking for um, a business controller or a project controller, uh, maybe or, or an accounts payable or invoicing assistant or what have you maybe for those roles you know you can be pretty new here and still be eligible mm. um, but but it but if you're going to be a teacher 
well, you need Swedish. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You might have taught, you know, 20 years somewhere, but, mm. and that's great. But mm-hmm. then, well, you can apply maybe to an English speaking school. But if you want to work in a regular Swedish school teaching uh, history, mm-hmm. well, you need Swede- Swedish mm-hmm. and, and Swedish mm-hmm. history. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. Sense. So that's an extreme example, but just to, it depends. But again, I mean, I, when I was it like 15 years ago, wanted to change job in Sweden, mm-hmm. I applied for like 300 jobs before I got my next job. And, and I'm Swedish. Yeah. So it's not only the new people here that have struggled finding a new job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody does, because mm-hmm. for one position, there might be you know, 300 applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So it it's it's a mix of things. So I think everybody who is new here needs some kind of input on things that that will help them. But the input will depend on the individual. And I think that's why I keep going back to this whole thing over this expectation versus reality. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that needs to be. You know, the expectation here needs to. We need to kind of manage that a little bit better mm-hmm. <laughs> when people start coming here. You know, it's the, the Swedish job market is a very small market. It's tiny compared to a exactly. lot of other countries. And I think it's really important for newbies arriving here to you know, kind of try to let go of the, dare I say it, entitled feeling that they mm. might have when they come here. Um, because I know I had that. I was one of them. Mm. I had that and I completely was was well in there and had that and got the shock of my little life when I realized that I wasn't the, mm. wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I think the best thing is to try to get your foot in the door somehow. And, and there are different ways of doing that through internships or like an entry level mm-hmm. job or just like a helping out but that depends not everybody wants to do that no. not everybody wants I understand. to you know yeah. but it's kind of like mm, you might have to just let go a little bit of that pride that's holding you back <laughs> yeah. but then again there's plenty of, of international organizations here or sure. where swedish is not at all necessary yeah and uh, i think it's getting better and better also. I think things have gotten better the past 10 years or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or since, you know, recently, I think, but. I know, but mm. I know it's a, it's a, like looking for a job, it's a thankless task and, mm. you know, it really can be utterly soul destroying. Absolutely. I've got a, a sort of a, a double question here and it's, uh, I'm going to put these two together because they're both about, mm. uh, Swedish uh, language skills or mm-hmm. lack thereof and they are um, how is it best to handle if you don't have Swedish how is it best to handle that on your resume and when applying for jobs and then the second part of it is are there any certain types of industry or business that that are more open to somebody who has limited sw- Swedish skills well okay if you don't know Swedish or if you have you know very poor level of Swedish not very high level of Swedish then obviously I think personally uh, that it's better to have a CV in English, right? Because that reflects who you are, the language that you handle, etc. And then on that CV, you state the level of your Swedish. You know, English might be native, Spanish fluent and Swedish beginner. So that's how you handle that on, a, on an English CV. If it's a Swedish CV written in Swedish and then it says you know level of swedish beginner and but you have you have a perfect cv in in swedish the receiver will maybe think that you know swedish fluently potentially but that again depends what you're using the cv for also because let's say you send your cv in swedish to a school or a preschool applying for a job as a as a teacher assistant or um um, taking care of children you know maybe there are a lot of people out there working in those places who might not be able to read the cv in english so they need to have your cv in swedish uh, to understand what you have done and who you are and maybe the purpose is for you to to find a job where you can learn swedish or an internship where you learn swedish and in that case i think it's per- it's perfectly fine to have a cv in swedish it just, of course, depends how you use it and, you know, what does the cover letter say, etc. So I think 
I don't know if that was the answer to the question, but uh, I, the important thing is to state clearly what level is your Swedish. Mm. And not with like uh, codes like B1, C1, B3 or stuff like that. I, I see that all the time and that doesn't tell me anything. Like I don't, I'm not update to the EU standards or something, you know, it's and like- And to be honest, they're actually completely arbitrary. They don't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was just a second part of it, which was, uh, are there any types of industries or business mm. that where, where limited Swedish is, is more acceptable? Uh, plenty. I mean, all the multinationals, you know, embassies and certain NGOs maybe, not all NGOs, but maybe a few of them, not, not so many actually. Uh, but then there's some, you know, some startups, the tech world. I had a really interesting experience when um, I started working in the tech industry because I'm mm. now I'm working in a for, a for a really tiny web agency in, in Stockholm. And all of a sudden, not being able to speak Swedish was not a problem. Mm. It was quite miraculous. I mean, I'd spent five years really kind of trying my best to communicate with different agencies and different organizations in Swedish mm. um, because at that time I was working sort of for a non-profit or a non non-profit and an NGO sort of status and then mm. I went suddenly into the tech industry and it was like no problem and no, nobody had yeah. a problem talking to me or replying in English or me or them emailing me in Swedish and then me replying in English it was ab it was really quite a surprise to me yeah so yeah I was like tech and, and, and then maybe it's going to depend a little bit of course maybe where in Sweden you are I mean obviously mm -hmm. it's easier in Stockholm probably than other cities sure but I think Malmö and Gothenburg some at least it can work with only English in a few settings as well but but I think one interesting thing is going to be now with the pandemic and, and COVID and, and now we have all those remote positions that are being created yeah where where you work 100% remotely yeah and that could open i think a lot of possibilities not only for working in sweden but you can actually work globally being in sweden mm -hmm. like a kind of digital where, nomad sort of thing yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know but that's just we'll see what happens but i think that could be actually an opportunity for, for maybe for a lot of people mm. living here who don't know swedish necessarily or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm can might, might be able to to work in creative ways for international employers yeah. or employers located elsewhere mm -hmm. i have one question here um linkedin is the best mm -hmm. place to look for a job in sweden yes <laughs> uh, in, if you not not the not the only but one of the good places if you have some sort of like academic background i would say or 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 a clear professional identity you know mm -hmm. not for more simple jobs maybe as a cleaner or a painter mm -hmm. or a mm -hmm. carpenter mm -hmm. i wouldn't say linkedin is the best place to find jobs mm -hmm. or, or you know fast fast cash job or you know but jobs within you know finance administration marketing hr yeah IT, etc. Yes, LinkedIn and Platsbanken.se, if everybody knows what that is. I don't, but um, I'm glad that you mentioned it. You don't? No. Okay, well, that's Arbetsförmedlingens uh, ah. platform for looking for a job. They have stepped up a little bit lately, the last year. It's become, I think, much better. It's more interactive. It's I, I kind of like it these days. Mm -hmm. That's one thing you should register one right away when you come here yep. with Arbetsförmedlingen. I'm, ma I'm making a little list of takeaways and that's going to yeah. go on it. Because Platsbanken and Arbetsförmedlingen, it's good because it's like a huge database of all the jobs in Sweden mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and you can search and you can organize it in by ge 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 geographic location or type of role or type of company, etc. So. Mm -hmm. But LinkedIn is good also. Yeah, yeah. And and what about I mean kind of off the back of that question networking I mean I've I've learned in that you know in Sweden it really is who you know not necessarily what you know um, that mm. kind of generates the possibility of job opportunities um, in Sweden mm. so you know understanding networking um, how important is that 
um, for a newbie? Yes, you, I mean, absolutely. I think networking and, and who you know is going to be, that's like 80% of jobs, you know, are, are happen like that. But I wouldn't say that it's not important what you know. But first, it's important who you know so that you can get inside somewhere. But then, of course, it's also what you know. Mm-hmm. Once you have a concrete uh, role description or or vacancy in front of you mm-hmm. it's the right person needs to be at the right place mm-hmm. but but how to network um there are many ways well when you look for jobs let's say your job your job is to look for a job so that's like 100 of your time uh, eight hours a day or six hours a day at least so uh, I would say 30% of your time should be put on applying for advertised jobs. Okay. But then 60 or 80% is about reaching out yourself to people, companies, organizations that you are interested in. Mm-hmm. So that means you can reach out, you can look on LinkedIn to try to find interesting people, mm. uh, suitable people to reach out to and contact. Mm-hmm because they might be in charge of the department where you would like to work somewhere, or they might have a similar background to you. And now obviously they have made it in Sweden and they're working here. So, um, and then you write to those people and preferably I would try first to write them directly to their email addresses at their work. So if someone works at Volvo, then you put first name dot last name at volvo.com. <laughs> if it doesn't bounce, then someone has received it. <laughs> there is also a little uh, tool you can use, an online uh, a website. I think it's called hunter.io. Uh-huh. And you can type in the company and the name of the person. And then it searches through all known email addresses for that company and shows you the format that they're mm. in and then suggests what they might be yeah. so it, it, if it finds that most people in the company are sort of first initial dot surname mm. at the email and then it, it gives you that as a suggestion yeah. and it, it just says the likelihood of that person having yes. which kind of email address which is really useful yeah I mean the and so the bottom line is to basically to reach out and write to people that and to introduce yourself shortly briefly with the cv and just a few sentences you know I'm, I'm, and not like asking, do you have a full-time permanent job for me? But more like asking for advice. I'm new here in Sweden. I, I'm, I have this kind of, I have this background. I think maybe I could, I mean, your company would potentially be of interest. Do you think that I could be suitable now or in the future? If not, uh, is, could you recommend someone else I could reach out to? Things like that to, to network and, and, and to reach out to a lot of people and, and then try and also once you connect with someone and have an interaction with someone through email, phone or in a meeting to add them on LinkedIn. It's okay to add people on LinkedIn if you if they know who you are, you know. Because that's going to build also your network and it's going to also be easier to be part of something, a community. But I think it's not so difficult. I mean, or it's quite simple. It's like you have to reach out to people in different ways. Mm -hmm. It could be when you pick up your kids at school, talk to the other parents. You know what? I'm new here. I'm struggling a bit finding a job. If you're here or know anything, because I heard you in, you know, that you are a marketing manager. And people might not be able to, but at least you ask. And, and then the more people you ask, the, the more chances, you know, something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for if you send 20 cold emails to people, maybe you can expect one answer. Yeah. So let's send maybe 100 emails per week. Then you're going to start seeing some answers. Mm-hmm. It's really true what you say about the fact that, you know, searching for a job is a full-time job. And in the beginning, it's a bit, it, it might be seem like a huge mountain to, to, to climb. But um, if you kind of structured about it and you uh, take time to, and you, and you make breaks in your day, and now I'm going to send 10 emails and then I'm going to have a coffee and now I'm going to find two new companies to contact. Mm-hmm. And you document things and send reminders if people haven't answered in two weeks, a gentle reminder. Yeah, yeah. Then if they don't answer, maybe you can just let them go mm-hmm. and move to the next one. Mm-hmm. This links on quite well to uh, another question that we received, 
which was uh, if you know that you'll be moving to Sweden in the coming months, should you already start looking for work and contacting people? And I, I think your answer probably there is going to be very much so. But uh, she was told that, that it wasn't the done thing to do until you arrive. Well, I think, yeah, well, um, I think what you should do before you get here, of course, prepare your documents, your CV, your LinkedIn profile. You can, you can change already on your LinkedIn saying that you live in Stockholm instead of living in New York. It's better to change right away that you live in Stockholm so that you feel recruiters can find you. So you can prepare things like that. And yes, you can reach out as well, but it's just that if you have, a, if you're applying for a job that's advertised and you're not here, okay, when can you start potentially? Can you start in like four months? Well, that's a bit far. Then we need to look at someone else. But um, you can reach out to recruiters because recruiters, they might have things now, but they also might have things in the future and they can be aware that you will soon be here and they can have you on top of their mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, But again, I think it's interesting now with COVID and all that, you know, a lot of work, a lot of the roles are remote yeah. and people can live in the woods somewhere in Sweden and start working. Mm -hmm. So you potentially, depending on the role, of course, could you, even if you haven't moved here yet, maybe you could start already. I don't know. But uh, I think it's good to start networking one, before you get here and reach out and saying, I'm I, I will move here. If it's good, if you have an exact month or date, then you can say, you know, I'll be here starting September. But otherwise, I wanted to reach out. Can I contact you again once I'm here? Do you have any advice? So I think the networking part can really be started one mm -hmm. before you are here. Mm -hmm. As long as you're clear to the receiver what your situation is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really wish that that's something that I had been told. You know, you like start networking now. You know, don't mm -hmm. you know, just because you're pregnant and you're going to have a baby, it doesn't mean to say that you can't you exactly. know, continue that to build those relationships and start mm -hmm. creating those those bridges. Yeah, exactly. And that's and I think that's empowering. And once you feel empowered mm -hmm. and connected mm -hmm. to the, out, the world outside your home or your family life, yeah. that's going to give energy and lead to other things. Definitely. I have mm -hmm. a question, which is a strange one, because it sounds a little bit like a bit of an urban myth. Um, but I think she's, I think this person has genuinely experienced, you know, has ex genuinely experienced this. Is it really true that you need to call up the hiring manager for your application to ever be considered? No, I've never. Yeah, that's not true. No, <laughs> I, I've, no, I, 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 and I, I, I said that in the when mm. I answered the question for you yeah. know not that I'm an yeah. expert. I kind of said immediately no. So no. from a professional. No, unequivocally. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would say I would think twice before you call someone up. It depends why you are calling. Mm. Because first of all, do you have a profile and the CV that you really, really think is like filling 80 or 90 percent of the requirements? Mm -hmm. Or do you have everything, but you don't have fluency in Swedish mm -hmm. and it states clearly in the job advert in this role you need to be fluent mm -hmm. in Swedish mm -hmm. well then it doesn't matter how qualified you are for the job because it will just that's the one thing it will all fail on mm -hmm. right but so I'm just okay but that's just let's say you have the perfect profile for a role mm -hmm. you fulfill everything or you know should you call the, the manager up I don't think you need to stay calm a little bit, like, you know, send in your application, uh, bear in mind that the recruiter or the hiring company might receive at least 100 applications, mm -hmm. maybe more, depending. Yeah. Yeah. So give them some time to go through that material. Mm -hmm. But then if you haven't heard anything a week after the deadline or one and a half, then I would definitely call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ask just checking in mm -hmm. you know this job I think really could suit me well from what I understand so far Do you know if you have seen my pro you know then it's okay then it's easier mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but if you call before applying mm -hmm. then you the, the person is just gonna you know then it's just a bit confusing for the the receiver because they haven't even seen your application yet or they're or they're in the middle of doing something which is you know yeah. completely unrelated to totally that job different. application and they're like what exactly. you know? yeah but maybe you have a very relevant question that actually 
it's okay also to call about, but I would maybe also write first an email yeah. about it. Yeah, definitely. Because calling can sometimes be a bit, uh, that people are usually doing something completely different and it's just going to be confusing. Yeah, I don't think I would ever phone anybody. I hate answering the telephone. <laughs> yeah, but, but it depends. But then again, it depends on the contexts. Uh-huh. Like for instance, managers at preschools or they are really great at handling phone calls rather than emails sometimes. It's like they are they completely know what they need and what kind of candidates they need. And they they are really like grasping the moment, you know. So if someone calls and sounds really nice on the phone and like they might have two minutes for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it depends a little bit what kind of job it is. Sure. I can say as well, having been on the, on the other side of that and and recruiting people mm. and getting a phone call in the middle of the day from somebody who just wanted to tell me that they'd sent their CV in and had I seen it yet and could I have a chat with them with no specific oh. questions asked mm. it, it that yep. you know and then having to have a 15 20 minute phone call with this person when you're in the middle of a busy working day and you you want to do all the CVs at the end of the day yeah. in exactly. the last 10 minutes and you know because you're focusing mm. on your day-to-day tasks it's uh I mean, it's also a personal thing. I mean, some people will be open mm. to taking phone calls, mm. others won't. And, you know, in this case, I didn't even have my contact details no. on, on there <laughs> and they down. hunted exactly. me down <laughs> to to call me. And I, yes, I, I was not really open to yeah. it. So you, you, it's, I think, as you said, to maybe email first is a better mm. step because... Mm you know an email someone can put aside and come back Mm -hmm. to later when they're less busy or Mm -hmm. when they have time for it whereas a phone call is Mm. you know it's it's there it's now Mm -hmm. you have to take it Mm -hmm. exactly Uh, well I we've just recently did a a recruitment process ourselves um for for the business that I'm I now work for in my previous life where I worked in the UK and I was a um, venue manager and, and sales manager I did a lot of recruiting um, as part of my job um, for account managers and so on. So I kind of was like quite, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, 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 you know, just with the, you know, the cultural norms of the UK job industry and the, you know, job market and what the expectations from candidates were in terms of timelines and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. Um, so on on this occasion, when I started this job, this recruitment process in, in, in here in Stockholm, um, you know, I was kind of very like, right, I'm going to make sure that I'm completely in communication with all the candidates and that they understand what the timeline is and that, you know, they know that I'm on, you know, on top of things and you know like it it took a little bit longer than we were expecting but was always in communication with the candidate um but the one thing that i was really surprised by were the number of people and the candidates because we we were like you said marianne we got a a, a huge amount of um job applications for this one Mm -hmm. um and um but i was so shocked by the number of people that got to the day before the first interview round ringing me up or email emailing me going yeah no i've decided i've changed my mind i'm not interested anymore thanks uh, i just didn't want to waste your time i just didn't want to waste my time da, 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 da. that's never happened before i've never experienced no. that before and i was really shocked um mm. by it but then of course you know i had a couple of people saying oh well it's just you know a byproduct of a really crappy recruitment landscape as it were mm. not not our mm. recruitment process but the, no. the landscape in, in general is that normal no, that's not very common not not in my daily job yeah <laughs> but of course it happens that, that the candidate uh, re, you know for some reason drops out of a process that mm-hmm. that can happen absolutely mm. but it just kind of makes you sort of go oh my god was it something that we did did we do something that caused this you know problem to i guess mm-hmm. um but then again i i you know we had we had recruited using LinkedIn. That was our primary source of, of recruitment, and it was in the tech industry. It was there was a lot of differences from what I was normally used to as a recruiter. I have uh, one last one, which was about sort of the do's and don'ts of what should be on your resume. Mm-hmm. Should there be a photograph? Should you use crazy fonts <laughs> to make it stand out? <laughs> <laughs> should you should you just go very plain and basic? Yeah. I like plain and basic. I always say this, of you know, a CV, it's personal and and everybody has their own opinions and views what should be or not be in a CV and how you could do it and so on. So I think you can listen to different advice and then try to make it 
what you think suits you the best. But I mean, for me, I think a, a picture is nice to have. People have it, almost everybody has it. If you have a LinkedIn profile, people usually have also a picture of themselves there. So then if you have it on LinkedIn, what's the reason of not having it on your CV? All recruiters, most recruiters will also look people up on LinkedIn. So um, I would put this, the picture also on, on, this, on the letter. And why not use the same pictures to brand yourself a bit, to, to people recognize you, you know? So you have a nice picture of yourself on both places and the smiling, positive energy kind of photo so that you don't look like mad or like people, you know, and it's not, I always say also, it's not a beauty competition to have a picture on your CV. It's an energy competition. Like does this person look like, you know, a nice kind person to be around. And it's like a, a third dimension to your CV. And it's not gonna erase or not whatever, you know, your qualifications and your skills and experience. That's, of course, that's important most important and then clearly what like one telephone number not two or not three telephone numbers one mobile number preferably and then one email address uh, and also your street address like where do you live and uh, if you want you can also put year of birth like how old you are if you want I mean, and why, because the thing is in Sweden that that information is public anyway. So anybody can look up how old you are and it's not illegal in a Swedish interview situation to ask how old someone is. I know it is for instance, in the United States, but not in Sweden, because it's just gonna give the reader an idea, you know, if this person just graduated or how many years. So, you know, you can put it if you want to. And then generally speaking, if you're not like a PhD or like applying for a, you know, doctorate position in a university, you don't need to like have five pages of CV, two pages is enough. Mm -hmm. I like it simple and plain and just easy to read. Like bear in mind, the receiver might spend, you know, five or 10 seconds on it. And just in, in, in chronological order and start with the newest sometimes people start what they did in 1982 and then I have to you know read two pages oh now we're in 2021 <laughs> so start with the top you know the re most recent experience and then your education clearly where did you do it what what country what city and when start when did you start and when did you end if it's 15 years ago i don't need to know if it was in march or in april it you know it, just the years mm -hmm. is enough <laughs> it might be interesting if it's like the last two years yeah and then use clearly your language skills some of your it skills i don't need to know that you like taking walks on the beach and having a glass of wine in front of the fire it's it's hobbies and things like that it's it just doesn't really bring anything to your skills. We all have private lives and we like going to the movies. I mean, the thing is, you can put, of course, if you are a champion in chess or if you were an Olympic uh, champion in, uh, in 100 meters or something, that's interesting because it tells something about you as a person. And if you're really mm -hmm. skilled at something, you know, like you you draw a lot on your free time and you, you know, you you make paintings and you sell them. That's, mm -hmm. that's interesting. But just think twice before you write down all the stuff that you like doing on your free time. If it's not really something that tells that that's going to help you in this job. I, I, yeah. I personally believe, think that, you know, um, and, and not too big of a chunk of text that just go on and on bullets are good you know yeah like your your the title of what you did and what what company mm -hmm. when and where and then main areas of responsibility or main tasks you know yeah. five six bullets for each experience yeah that's my advice um i, I think it's 
right. interesting that you mentioned about the photograph and you're, you you make a really, really good point about the fact mm. that, you know, well, if your LinkedIn profile has one. Why doesn't, you know, why can't your CV have one? Um, but I think a lot of people mm. might find mm. that that is, um, that could be also be used against a candidate, you know, for, for various reasons. Um, mm. And with that in mind, do you think, this is the big question, <laughs> do you think that recruiters in Sweden do hold preconceptions about immigrants against potential immigrant candidates? Yeah, I mean, uh, there might be, uh, you know, I, I cannot say what the science say or the research say. I, I would just personally, in general, mm. uh, I don't believe it. I think it's more, but there can be other I mean, I, I, I'm not saying, I think we're all biased persons and, and I think we all, we are human beings. And I think, uh, of course, there are, there are people who have prejudices, mm -hmm. and, but, they, but those prejudices can be different yeah. depending on the context and so on. So uh, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just, um, I think it also maybe, it depends a little bit what kind of job application situations we're talking about and what kind of roles and and so on but um i think at least the the last five years you know diversity inclusion is a very hot topic yeah. in 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 Swe with swedish mm -hmm. employers and everybody wants to be best mm -hmm. at it doesn't mean they are best at it but they, yeah, they want that's to that's interesting so <laughs> um, that's like the politically correct mm -hmm. thing to, mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. and to do mm -hmm. so i mean i can only speak for myself but i mean I, I, let's say i have so, some jobs when we advertise we receive over 100 applications. Mm -hmm. It has happened we received 300 applications. Of course, it happens that we only receive 50 and sometimes only yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depending how difficult yeah. the role is. But I can honestly say that I read every application. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I, I glance and I glance thoroughly at every application. Yeah. And I honestly don't care what name or you know, it says there or picture says, or, you know, uh, it's what do I need for this job? Mm -hmm. And for, if the fluency in English is the first, is, is the requirement. Yeah. And I go down and I see flu English uh, intermediate or, yeah. or, or, or Swedish is, I really know Swedish is the requirement yeah. for this job. And it says, this person is perfect, but I go straight to the languages in, to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because why should I read the CV if the CV says Swedish beginner? Yeah. It's a waste of my time for that specific mm -hmm. role. So it. So do you? I don't know if that's the question answer to the question, but I. Yeah. No. It ha uh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you say, you know, you can only speak for yourself in this mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. You can't put words in other people's minds but so. but i have also just but and then there are, and sometimes there are candidates who are actually born in sweden or they might have come here at the age of 10 yeah. or something and they have a name that doesn't sound very swedish typical mm -hmm. swedish or and they have written Sven swedish uh good very good or fluent and they put maybe another language uh, could be uh, I don't know Arabic, native, but I can tell on their CV they have studied since like the whole K twelve yeah. in Sweden, mm -hmm. and I'm calling them up and say you should put yeah. native <laughs> on your CV. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because so that's the on the other that's like the other yeah perspective, but. Mm. <laughs> So, and, and it's interesting that one of the common things that's come out of the conversations and the answers mm. and the questions that we've had today is language. And this really seems to be the nut that people need to crack. Would you say mm. that even trying to learn Swedish is, a, is something that you 
have to consider doing if you're looking to find employment here? Yes, because trying, that's what's going to get you the foot in. Because try if you can say, I'm tr- I, I am trying to mm-hmm. learn Swedish, I have learned, I can chit chat by the coffee yeah. machine or because when you learn a language, you also learn the culture and you show interest in where you are and where mm-hmm. you live mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that is attractive by itself. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that you need to be perfect because you, you might not, you're not going to work maybe as a journalist or as the mm-hmm. editor mm-hmm. or a content mm-hmm. creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't need to have perfect Swedish mm-hmm. maybe in the job but the the thing is if i have two candidates who have who are you know perfect but one might know a little bit more swedish than the other might be that i go for the one who knows a little bit swedish because at least that person can chit chat uh, with you know persons who might not know english every day yeah in the environment that we operate in Mm -hmm. Uh, but but again, there are plenty of organizations where you don't need any Swedish. I recruit mm-hmm. for them. So you don't need Swedish in certain jobs. But it helps. But it can be good yeah. to have. But it helps. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a charming thing that someone knows a little bit mm-hmm. of Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree. Um, <laughs> okay. So the takeaways that I have from our conversation here so far can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong is um number one join a union when you first arrive here so that it helps you with mm-hmm. you know getting to know the industry that you are going to be trying to enter in Sweden but also with kind of more uh practical help so it might be about insurances it might be about you know uh protection and so forth um yes. sign up with Arbits for Medlingen immediately yes <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, because it's good to do that because sometimes it takes a few months before you can get access to the things that they can offer because you need to have been employed for a certain time before you can get certain projects Mm -hmm. or, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, things that can be helpful. And when you start to look for new a new role think about the percentages like this spend 30 percent of your time applying for jobs you know on jobs mm. application or job adverts that are are actually real mm. and there and then spend the next 60 to 70 percent of your time trying to reach out to people so do finding people mm. in the industry that you want to work in try and get to trying to get to know them maybe asking some questions maybe try, just trying to keep mm. on in their line of sight yes is there anything else that you would add to the takeaways let people know you're looking for a job and friends family co-workers and former co-workers uh, and communicate about that and be open to also i think what's important is that let's say you have been working as an engineer in a certain field and it's hard to enter that field when you're new in Sweden for some reason. Well, can you use that knowledge from that sector, but maybe in a different kind of role? Maybe not necessarily as an engineer, but maybe as a coordinator or a project leader or an, ad- an assistant in a similar company maybe, but maybe at the moment it's hard to find the same kind of engineering role, but you can still be useful because you know the sector and the industry mm-hmm. but you might have also other soft skills that you can work uh, you know work with in a different kind yeah. of role and that i think is important okay i am a finance uh, person or i am an engineering person or i am a human resource expert but maybe those skills are a bit difficult to just find the perfect job that is going to copy what i did two mm-hmm. years ago but can i use my knowledge in general of the of the business in a different mm-hmm. setting yeah. so that you can try to broaden uh, what kind of roles you can apply for yep thank you so much for joining us today and answering all these many many questions that we had for you uh, giving us a little glimpse into how to uh, manage the swedish job market yeah. well thank you so much for having me um and if anybody wants to get in touch with marianne mm-hmm. the company is incluso and you have a page on linkedin obviously <laughs> yes and uh, you can get in contact with them via that page um, and their website incluso.se yes, yes. That's right. Perfect. There you go. Um, and uh, I thoroughly recommend that you do that because they are very insight. You know, 
bunch of very insightful people and they will tell you information and things about the Swedish job market that you would never have thought of thinking about before. Yeah, thank you, Kat and Dale, so much for your time and um, see you soon, okay? Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Swedish Podcast, brought to you by Jill Leckie and Kat Trigarski and our amazing sound editor, Cecile. If you've enjoyed listening and have a moment to spare, it would be super if you could rate and review the podcast and share it. That just helps people to find us more easily when they're looking. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast and Stitcher.